What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. The new name, the Letterman Lounge Recruiting Podcast. Uh, the message board is called the Letterman Lounge. We might as well just call the recruiting show the Letterman Lounge because that's really what goes on in the message board is the recruiting chatter. Andrew Ellis, Matt Parker, myself, Spencer Holbrook. Um, we're not here to talk about Ohio football, even though we could because we're all three Bobcats, even though I said Andrew wasn't a Bobcat last time. I don't know why I said that. But uh, let's talk Ohio State recruiting and let's talk commitments, boys. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice to be here. Yep. Doing great. Wow. Okay. So uh, now that that's out of the way, the pleasantries, two commitments since we last met on this wonderful show, uh, offensive tackle, Miles Walker, three-star guy with five-star potential, and Jason Moore, who's a top 50 prospect. I think that kind of speaks for itself in the fact that he's from DeMatha Catholic kind of brings back some, uh, you know, uh, flashbacks for Ohio State fans as far as Chase Young and that recruitment. So, the bigger deal for Ohio State, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you guys this. Matt, you go first. The bigger deal for Ohio State, Miles Walker or Jason Moore? You know, this This is hot takey. I'm not going for the hot take, but um, I think on paper it's Jason Moore. I think in the long run uh, it's Miles Walker, and, and here's why. Ohio State uh, has been needing a pure offensive tackle uh, – in this in this uh, 23 cycle, um, you know we keep hearing you know stuff about Olaf Linen or maybe someone else or you know one of the three commits that they have right now potentially playing tackle as it is, but you know they're interior guys. Um, but to have a pure offensive tackle that has a lot of upside, um, I think that was the bigger need. Uh, considering how crowded uh, the defensive line room can get at Ohio State from time to time. So that's kind of my answer there. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to argue with that when you're talking just about positional need in general. But when you're talking about just like player caliber, I would say Jason Moore was probably the bigger get. Um, he could be the crown jewel of just about any defensive line class across the country, whereas with Miles Walker, you probably don't want to finish the class with him as your – top tackle so both both really big wins but um getting a top 50 guy in jason moore is a very big deal for uh larry johnson and going back into the dmv and getting a top 50 guy something that ohio state i don't want to say they've struggled with the top guys in the dmv the last few years but it certainly hasn't been as easy as it was there for a while just to go in there you know and get the chase young types the, the you know to get Dwayne haskins out of there um I know they got Bryson Shaw, but but he wasn't as big of a name. To go in there and get a top 50 prospect out of out of the map, I think it's a pretty big deal for Larry Johnson and the Buckeyes. I'm going to say I I know that Jace, that Miles Walker has a ton of upside, and I think he's he can start for Ohio State at some point during his career. I'm going to say Jason Moore is the bigger deal because, like you said, Andrew, like he could be the headliner. And if Ohio State misses on Mateo Iangalale or if they miss on – you know, like a John Walker, like J Jason Moore has the the potential to play inside and outside. He has the body size where he could play either one if you need him to. He could play on the inside with a pass rush setting. So, like, I think this one's an, a really big deal. And if you do miss on some of those other top targets, you've still got a top 50 guy, not really to fall back on, but to, to headline that class and you still feel really good about it. With Miles Walker, it's a really big deal to land him because Ohio State thinks he can be a really good player. But – 
it's still just such a big need to get another tackle in this class. And so that's where I think Jason Moore is the bigger deal. But to have both of those guys in the class and really to get to the number one class in the country now back to that territory, which I look at the board and I look who's still being considered by different schools. I'm not sure if Notre Dame's going to be able to get much more or get many more points ahead to, to retake that spot. So I think you're going to see Ohio State stay there for a little while. Then maybe Georgia, Alabama, the LSUs of the world, those schools start to creep up there and challenge for that Texas A&M, maybe even Texas in this cycle. You might see them start to challenge for it, but I, I think Ohio State has pulled ahead of Notre Dame, and I don't know if Ohio State will really look back from that uh, you know, anytime soon. So I do think Jason Moore was a bigger deal, but I understand the argument both ways. Uh, thoughts on Ohio State becoming the number one class in the country? Andrew, you can, you can lead this one. I, I think for Notre Dame to have a chance to surpass Ohio State, or we know Alabama and Georgia is going to be up there too, but I think for Notre Dame that entirely hinged on them landing Dante Moore. So with him going to Oregon – um, I really wouldn't consider Notre Dame a threat for that top spot anymore. I think when it all comes down to it, it's going to be Ohio State. It's going to be Georgia, Alabama, maybe another SEC school. But there's still plenty of big fish out there for Ryan Day, and they definitely have a chance to uh, hold on to that spot. And then just piggybacking off of that, Ohio State, um, with a commitment from Jason Moore on Sunday, now has 18 in the class, if I'm not mistaken, and they're looking to get more. Um Quite honestly, I'm sure Ohio State is expecting to get more. Uh, no pun intended there. But, uh, you know, Ohio State isn't isn't going to be content being number one in, in July. You know, they still have some guys to go after. They're still expecting some answers. And then um, if those answers don't go their way, they're going to have contingencies that uh, would headline, you know, other schools. That's one of the advantages to being one of the top three programs in the country is that, you know, you have options, and uh, Ohio State definitely still remains um, as a favorite to, to have the number one class when it's all said and done. But they're not going to be satisfied having the number one class just in July. Yeah, and I think that that's a good good point and a good good thing that we can you know maybe go on to as you say that the Ohio State brand is so strong that they can come in and you know get kind of who they want. I think that that leads me to a discussion maybe about. Uh, you know, Austin Novosad, the, the quarterback from from Texas, who is from Dripping Springs, a four star, one of the the top quarterbacks in the country, a Baylor commit, uh, holds an offer from te- from Texas A and M. Both of his parents went there. Now holds an offer from Notre Dame. This seems to be what we thought was a three team quarterback race. Notre Dame's going to try to sneak in there. I don't know about you guys. I can't really see Notre Dame getting fully into that upper tier of contenders, especially when Texas A&M is just there. And if he really wants to, he can go where his parents went. He grew up a Texas A&M fan. Matt, you're going to write about him uh, on the site for Tuesday, uh, maybe early afternoon, or for Wednesday, early afternoon. We're recording this Tuesday night. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on Austin Novosad and just the direction that that recruitment's heading, because it seems like it's going in an interesting direction. And he's really, he seems to be pretty torn on what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Letterman Rowe. We spoke with him uh, Tuesday afternoon. And, uh, you know, Spencer, if you disagree, chime in. But speaking with him, you could tell just just how difficult this process has been for him. Um, you know, he wants to make sure that, you know, all of the I's are dotted and all of the T's are crossed in his recruitment process, uh, recruitment process and making sure that everything from, you know, the depth chart to 
playing projections to, you know, his future off the field. Um, you know, this is why, and I, I haven't had much of a chance to say this yet, but that's why this, this recruiting process can be so difficult uh, for, for a lot of, you know, a lot of kids. And this is no exception uh, in the most important position in football on the biggest stage, uh, especially with a dire need, um, specifically talking about Ohio State, their need for a quarterback in this class. Um, so I'm sure Austin Novosad, unfortunately, is, is feeling some exterior pressure um, to kind of figure things out. And uh, his sentiments and, and what uh, we talked with him today and what you know we'll be writing about um, for the site today, um, it reflects that. Yeah, and your I, thoughts. I just I feel like if you're Baylor right now, and I think he very well may still end up, you know, sticking with Baylor. But it's been a few weeks, and you're if you're the Baylor coaching staff, you had to have hoped that he would have maybe shut things down by now. Um, instead, now you've got Notre Dame in the picture as well as, of course, Ohio State and Texas A&M. But I'm just wondering if he's like maybe holding off until late late July after the dead period ends, maybe he wants to take another visit, whether it's to Notre Dame or I know he's been to Texas A&M, but I don't, I don't believe that was an official. So I think the biggest thing now is does he shut things down here in the next couple of weeks? Does he decommit or does he wait until that last weekend this month and um, make another visit once the dead period ends? Yeah. And if he does make those visits, you, you do have to wonder where that would be. Uh, this is a, this is a recruitment that, is a late blooming recruitment. It's one that I think Baylor thought was all but locked up. And now the bears are absolutely fighting for their lives, trying to, uh, you know, keep a hold of him. And Ohio state's not going to back down from a challenge, especially against Baylor, especially against Notre Dame. Ohio state's won battles against Notre Dame for the last you know, century. So Ohio state's not just going to, you know, fold up and, and decide to, to move on to another quarterback prospect. I think this is, I think they're signaling, especially as Brock Glenn trends towards Florida State, even away from Auburn, and as you know the the options kind of dwindle down. I know Chris Parson now just decommitted from Florida State. You wonder if that's going to happen, but the, the the tea leaves start to show maybe a Mississippi State lean there before Ohio State can get involved. The the Buckeyes quarterback options are, are few and far between right now, and I think that's why Austin Novosad is target number one. He will be until he makes a decision and. Even when he decides to shut it down, especially if he sticks with Baylor, I don't think Ohio State's just going to walk away from this and, and decide, well, we might as well go find somebody else. I think they're going to continue to push because Ryan Day obviously sees something that he likes. He saw something when he visited when Novus had visited, and now he's you know he's continuing to pursue him. And Corey Dennis and Ryan Day aren't just going to give up on that. Uh, do you guys have an idea of, let's say Austin Novosad decides to stick with Baylor? or Texas A&M or Notre Dame, is this starting to look like an Austin Novosad or portal year for Ohio State? I, I don't really think so. Like, I feel like they want a 2023 20, quarterback. And if, if Novosad sticks with Baylor and Brock Glenn commits to Florida State or whatever, um, I think they're just going to continue evaluating their options and maybe they find some high-end three-star type of kid later into the fall, somebody that blows up, that kind of thing. Um, maybe they do send an offer to that Parson kid that just decommitted from Florida State, but he's not like the prototype for Ryan Day. You know, he's barely six foot. Um, but I think they're just going to kind of expand their search here if if they do miss out on Novosad. But he's clearly the priority right now. I would I would agree with that for sure. If things don't go, you know, Ryan Day and Ohio State's way, they definitely would much rather have 
someone in the class rather than surging through the portal and, and having to deal with, with the nightmare that is the portal sometimes. Yeah. And so now the, it's just kind of a sit back and wait mode for Ohio state as, as Austin Nova said, you know, dives into his options and then really tries to figure out what he's going to do uh, with his recruitment. I guess that's where we move on to another guy who's trying to figure out what he's going to do with his recruitment. I know I'm getting great with these segues. Uh, as we move along the Letterman Live or Letterman Lounge. Yeah, sorry, the new name. Uh, tight end Jelani Thurman, a four-star tight end, is going to make a decision this weekend. Guys, uh, this is starting to become what appears to be an Ohio State, Michigan State, maybe Auburn uh, recruitment. And at one point, I thought that maybe Ohio State was going to be content with one tight end in 23 just because every year we seem to hear the two tight end talk and it never happens. But the steam is starting to be real for the Buckeyes, maybe to even land Jelani Thurman, if not be second, just behind Michigan State in this battle. Uh, as of Tuesday night, where do each of you stand on Jelani Thurman and his decision that is coming up this weekend? Go ahead, Matt. Um, as far as, you know, just looking at some of the numbers that, that I have in front of me, uh, the on three recruiting prediction machine has Auburn as the favorite at, 26.1% uh, to land the four-star from Fairburn, Georgia. And you have to wonder, we haven't heard a whole lot of noise about him uh, coming from Ohio State in these last couple of weeks. Spencer, you touched upon the fact that kind of seems, feels like Ohio State, you know, if they didn't get another tight end, you know, they're not going to go out and find a tight end just so they can say they have two. They won't do that for any player, let alone, you know, the, the tight end board. But as, as things kind of crawl to the finish line here, um, you know, for all, of the, for all of the folks that really like to zoom in and analyze every single graphic that you know, the kids post on Twitter, uh, there did seem to be a, a few more Ohio State details in, in his graphic that he posted over the weekend. So whatever that means, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure someone knows the answer. But the way things are trending, it's – if Ohio State gets it, that'd be, that'd be great for Ohio State. But if they don't, I don't think they're going to be beat up about it. Andrew, before you start, I think we should recognize that Matt is officially a Ohio State recruiting reporter because he's studied a graphic and seen and read, read the graphic tea leaves. It is a staple of modern recruiting. Go ahead. What are your thoughts on Jelani Thurman, Andrew? I, I guess, first of all, it's just crazy to think that there's a – very good tight end from the state of Georgia, who it seems like his recruitment is coming down to Michigan State and Ohio State. I know the Auburn side doesn't seem very confident confident from what I've heard, so I feel like he's going to end up in the Big Ten. Um, if I had to make a prediction right now, I would say he picks Ohio State this weekend. Um, it, it does, Spencer, you mentioned it. It seems like every class we say, is this the class where they take two, two tight ends? And never really seems to be. I think maybe Luke Farrell and Jake Hossman back in 2016 might have been might have been the last time that ended up happening. Um, but, you know, I mean, if I, I know he's a priority for Kevin Wilson, and if they're able to seal, seal the deal here in the next few days and pick him up, um, that would be a underrated win for Ohio State. I think the value in tight end is kind of not what other positions are, but that's, that's still a, uh, that still would be a big win for Ohio State. I guess we can move on then as we roll along here to another prospect who is picking this weekend. We do not expect Troy Bowles to pick Ohio State. 
we do not think that is much of a surprise as this recruitment has started to tilt toward Athens, Georgia and away from Columbus, Ohio. Um, not really, like I said, a surprise here that we don't expect Troy Bolt. I mean, it could happen. And, and I think Ohio State is not going to give up until that that ink is dry. But I do think Troy Bowles is going to be on the outside looking in. Well, I guess, you know, on the inside of the Georgia class, not the inside of Ohio State's class. But I don't think this that's as big of a loss maybe as it might seem. I know that is probably with some scarlet colored glasses, but when you look at the the, the linebacker board at Ohio State, uh, they're not going to really sweat over losing a, a top 50 guy when they're going to be able to get a top 100 guy that they really like. Maybe if, you know, the Tacky Curtis recruitment goes their way, if the Arvo Reese recruitment goes their way. And so I, I'm not really sure that it's much of a sweat for Ohio State to lose Troy Bowles. I know he's a great player. I know Ohio State loved him and they would love to have him in the class. But to lose a recruitment, which I do think they will lose, to Georgia would, is not going to be a, uh, you know, not – I'm not going to say it's not going to be a big deal, but I don't think that it's something that Ohio State needs to truly worry about until a couple other recruitments are settled. Uh, your thoughts on that, Andrew, to begin? Um, well, first of all, Troy Bowles, Troy, Troy Bowles is a hell of a player. I think George is going to be the pick too, but I agree that missing out on him is not the end of the world, especially with the, um, you know, the the safety-heavy defense that Jim Knowles runs and some of the linebackers they brought in of late with C.J. Hicks and – you know, maybe Sonny Styles ends up at linebacker as well. We'll see about that. Um, but the big, it's just going to come down to uh, Tackett Curtis and Arvell Reese for Ohio State. And they have to get, if they can get both of those guys, that'd be one heck of a linebacker class. But you really can't fault a uh, linebacker for one linebacker for one who play in Athens these days. Uh, and to just, you know, to go off of that, um, you know, like Andrew said, Troy Bowles is, is one fantastic player. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all wish him success no matter where he goes. Um, as far as as far as it goes for Jim Knowles and his defense and Ohio State, like I mentioned earlier in the show, Ohio State has options. Um, so they're not going to you know bank on just one person committing. And, and if, if push comes to shove and it doesn't go their way, then you know they don't have their head in the sand. They say, okay, you know what, we'll still keep in touch, but we have other options, and those other options are. Tackett Curtis and Arvell Reese. Um, if you're Ohio State, you have to feel very confident with your relationship with uh, Arvell Reese, in-state uh, prospect from Glenville. And then the relationship that Knowles and Curtis have carried over from Stillwater to Columbus. So that's, you know, that's something that's been maintained um, in a time of transition. And Ohio State has to feel good about both of those uh, potential commits. And when you look at this class, guys, it kind of seems like the, the defensive philosophy is shifting and the recruiting philosophy is shifting with it. You're looking at four cornerbacks and potentially four defense and four safeties and only two linebackers in the class, potentially after, you know, in 2021, only taking one linebacker, take two in, in 2022. And then you only take one or two in 2023. You're seeing an entire different philosophy of recruiting at Ohio state compared to what we've ever seen before. And that might be one of the most fascinating developments here is, if you only get Arvo Reese and Tackett Curtis, that's a pretty good linebacker haul for a team wanting to run a 4-2-5. But those are two pretty versatile linebackers. There's not really a true middle linebacker in there, and I think that's exactly what Ohio State wants. I don't think Ohio State's in any hurry to, to start adding a bunch of linebackers to this class when they know that 
safeties can play linebacker. Linebackers can play safety. Defensive ends can play linebacker. I mean, you're looking at almost an even more positional approach than we used to talk about in the last couple cycles, Andrew. We, we've talked about the positionless recruiting for Ohio State for a long time, and it be, it's starting to become even more so with that. And, and when you look at taking more safeties than linebackers almost every year now, it, it's becoming very evident what the philosophy is under Jim Knowles at Ohio State already. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing that scheme change in their recruiting efforts this class, and you're going to see it moving forward. Um, like I said, they've just brought in so many good linebackers over the last few years with C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers and guys like that. Um, that They're not hurting at all there, so it's not a terrible concern right now for Ohio State, I don't think. So as you look at this class, and I guess we can just kind of kind of round this episode out, I like to keep these about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, some of the people want us to play in or out. I don't know if there's enough en- enough decisions coming. Uh, we kind of did with Jelani Thurman talking about whether he's in the class or not. Uh, Austin Novosad, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to say in or out yet. That process just seems like it's not really there, uh, you know, to, to really be known yet. But we, we do you guys want to play in or out? Do you think we should save it and let the people, uh, you know, have this episode and then maybe we give it to them the next episode? That's what I'm starting to think. I, how, how do you guys feel about it? I say let the suspense build a little bit here. Yeah, you know, there we go. There might be some there might be some some good news coming the Buckeyes way this weekend. There might be some bad news coming the Buckeyes way this weekend. There might not be any news. You know, people can change their minds at any point in time. So um let's just uh I, I say hang on. Andrew? Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, I think over the next few weeks, we're we're watching the same guys we've been watching. In addition to the guys, in addition to the guys we mentioned earlier, it's when does Caleb Downs do his thing? When does Olas Allenin do his thing? Um, does Ohio State still have a shot with Justice Haynes? It's you know, there's really not a lot, there hasn't been a lot of, that's changed since the last time we did this. It's really still the same big names. Plus, now we have the Jelani Thurman decision coming up and we'll see when uh when austin novasad decides to uh, make his final decision couple tip couple notes before we get out of here and then maybe we'll take one question because i did see one that i really did enjoy uh, and i think it will be a good topic of discussion before we get out of here uh i do believe based on people i've talked to in the last few days i do believe Jaden bonsu the safety that ohio state's really high on along with caleb downs is beginning to trend toward miami i think ohio state's going to have to figure some things out um yeah, figure some things out if, if if that recruitment is going to tilt back in favor of the Buckeyes. I think that's starting to head to South Beach uh, the longer this thing goes. So I, I did want to get that out to people because I think that's important information when you're trying to build an entire safety class. That obviously isn't bad news. It's very indifferent, and it's a complete separate circumstance to what is going on with Caleb Downs because he is just a completely different player and is – a do-it-all player, whereas Bonsu is kind of more of a position specific within that defense that Ohio State could use. I don't think it's a huge deal to lose out on him, but I do think that is starting to trend toward Miami. I wanted to get that out there. Um, does that affect the way that you're viewing this safety class if the Buckeyes aren't able to get Jaden Bonsu, uh, Matt? I'll follow that up by saying if they can get Caleb Downs, everything's good. If Caleb Downs decides to leave Georgia, the Peach State, if I'm not mistaken. If, uh, if, if he leaves Georgia and, and heads up north to Columbus, I think uh, Ohio State and, and Perry Eliano have to feel 
pretty good about how things finish out. Yeah, it's it's all about Caleb Downs, honestly. We I've almost completely forgotten about Jaden Bonsu at this point, to be to be honest. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew's favorite recruit of all time, I think, is I think Caleb Downs is beginning to get in that running. I'm not sure what his top five favorite recruits are, but I would say Downs is, is among them at this point. Um, I haven't really sprung this on you guys. I'm looking through the, the Letterman Lounge message board and what, what we could answer. Uh, but but I think that one of them really caught my eye. Uh, and of course, everybody wants the in or out. And everybody wants you know the fun stuff. But somebody asked, and I wish I could give credit, but I'm in the middle of a show and I'm not going to look it up. Somebody asked, based on the 2023 class and the way it's shaking out, your early assessment for the needs in the 2024 class. And I think it's interesting to do that at this point because there are many holes that Ohio State could fill. But I wanted to, to make that a note and make that a topic here before we get out of here, just because there are only 10 prospects Ohio State is still truly targeting in the class of 2023. Other than that, the efforts have shifted to 2024, especially a, a, a spot like cornerback where you're completely set and a spot like, you know, the interior offensive line where Ju Justin Fry is not going to take another interior guy because he's looking for tackles in 23, but he can start to evaluate those interior guys in 24. You look at quarterbacks already settled, wide receiver, the, the top of that board seems to be what it is. And Brian Hartline's going to, you know, go after those top guys. But your early thoughts start with Andrew what are the biggest needs based on what you're seeing from the 23 class and maybe what could leave this roster after this season? What are the biggest needs in the 2024 class as of July 12th? So I think a year ago, if we would have talked about that same situation for the current class, we would have said running back. And that was when we thought that Ohio state was going to get Richard young and probably another guy. Um, now they have Mark Fletcher. They're not getting Richard young. So for me, I think the answer is still is, is running back for the class of 2024. And if they're if they miss on Justice Haynes, I kind of wonder if maybe they will encourage a guy like Stacy Gage to get into that class of 2024 early on and help Dylan Rayola lead that class. Um, so for me, I'm going to say running back and I mean offensive tackle is always always on the list too. You know, I'll, I'll echo. I uh, was hoping you'd ask me first, Spencer, because I had running back ready to go, but that's okay. Um, but th just to add on to that, um, you know, if not Stacy Gage is that guy, um, you know, rising rising junior, uh, Archbishop Cincinnati Moeller running back, uh, Jordan Marshall has a lot of potential to be something real special in, these li in his next two seasons here uh, for Moeller. And mm -hmm. I think if Ohio State can land a big-time in-state prospect um, – which you got to feel pretty good that the Buckeyes can keep kids in Ohio. Um, I think that could also be another, another building block for that running back uh, board for 24. Now I, I might sound crazy when I say this uh, and, and tell me if I do, but the way that these guys are about to fly into the NFL and just continue to, to go there. And I think multiple guys will go the next few years. It's really weird to say it, but I actually think wide receiver will be a, a positional need in the 2024 class because the guys who are going to leave at the, the, the Marvin Harrison juniors and the, the, you, you talk about this. And by the time those guys sign Marvin Harrison jr. And Emeka Ibuka and Jane Ballard will have one more, will will have one more year left to play college football. And then after that, it's on 
the Keon Grays and the class and the and then the Brandon Ennis and Cardinal Tate class. And and you're starting to look at a room that is going to continue to turn these guys over. I, I really do think that wide receiver will be a need. And, and I'm going to I'm going to go with defensive line as well, because we, we think of Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomaloa as such, you know, young guys and Tyleek Williams. And by the time 24 rolls around, I'll say it again. Those guys will all be with one year left before they can jump ship to the NFL. And I think that's something that, that Ohio State's going to have to to really go after his defensive lineman. I know this 23 class could still be special on the defensive line, but 24, you're going to have to get some of those dudes in there to, uh, to really solidify that position for, I guess, 2024 to 2027, because the 2021 to 2024 looks like it's in pretty good hands right now. So my two sleeper picks, because you guys kind of took the, the, the big, the big positional needs there. I'm going to go wide receiver because I do think there's some, some, some hidden value in what Ohio State needs from this 24 class. I don't know if it could be a big class, but I think you need at least two that are are special. And then that defensive line class, because you just need you need you know to keep that factory going, uh, especially as you know Larry Johnson's not getting any younger. I'm not telling any secrets there. Uh, you know you, you've got to be able to continue to recruit at a high level, even knowing that any year could be his last year. So those are my two big ones. Um, did we miss any positions? I think maybe. Maybe defensive back, just because I do think there's some NFL potential for some guys to leave pretty early next couple of years, especially at safety. Uh, and then, you know, Dylan Rayola, you wonder if they want to take a second quarterback. Do you, do, you, do you see any of that kind of stuff happening, that defensive back or quarterback or wide receiver? What are your guys' thoughts, Andrew? Uh, quarterback for 2024? Maybe a second one. I don't know. If, if Dylan if, – if, if you don't get a second – if you don't get one in 23 yeah. and you need a body – I would say maybe a second quarterback. I mean, that's but but that's just trying. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe that's something that'll happen. But defensive backfield. I mean, they're going to have possibly as many as eight guys in this class, the 23 class, for the safety and corner spots. So I I don't want to say that position group is going to be on the back burner for 24, but it's not going to quite be as pressing as it is right now, in my opinion. And maybe you could just go target maybe the top two guys at each position and then tr- just try to, you know, get the superstars in that class rather than go out and try to get a bunch of guys. Matt, your thoughts? Well, that's exactly where my thought process was going. I think when you have, you know, such a such a body of work to put in, it would be not easy. I don't I don't want to say that, but I think that might be kind of the early going strategy for Ohio State is to just, you know, one through twenty. You know, let's just worry about one through 20 because we have a lot that's right here right now. Um, and of course you're always thinking about the future, but you know, one through 20 and then can put the work in as needed after one through 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably a good place to end this as we start to peek ahead a little bit to 2024. Uh, well, actually I'll spring one more question on you guys. We're at 31 minutes. Uh, if you have one prospect in the 24 class, since we're on it, that you're keeping an eye on, one prospect, who is it? Hmm. I got mine. I'll go. Uh, Jeremiah Smith is mine. I think he could be the next. I mean, I feel like he's been on commitment watch for basically three months now. And probably he might be the best best wide receiver in the country regardless of class. So that's the that's the easy one for me. This kind of goes against uh, what we were talking about with uh, defensive backs to an extent, but uh, I'm going to say Peyton Woodyard 
from Valpower, California. Um, that's that's a guy who is just going to keep getting better and better these next two seasons of high school ball. And uh, I think that's another – he has the potential to be a dude for Ohio State. All right. That's where we're going to end it, and I'm not going to give you one. So it was a great show. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and we will be back soon on another edition of Letterman Lounge. <laughs>